This week on Trek Mary Kill. Computer replay morning. Waylink complete. Next. Voyage to Deep Space Nine, where an alien virus sabotages the station. It's mutated into an airborne variety, which means the whole station is infected. Who created this virus? The Bajoran, sir. Now, catastrophe threatens the outpost. I can't allow you to break quarantine. Better let her go, Cisco. She's all we've got. And survival lies in Kira's hands. This is kidnapping. All I want is the antidote. Next time on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. Hi, I'm Kristen. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill, a Star Trek podcast that's never at a loss for words when it comes to judging episodes of our favorite show. Joining us this week is Caitlin Hempstead, a writer and comic here in Los Angeles who hosts Lizard People, a podcast where she tries to talk herself into government conspiracies. <laughs> you can read about the show in Variety, Huffington Post, and the AV Club, or just go listen to it on your own, on your podcast app of choice, Lizard People. Uh, back in 2019, Caitlin, you were asked, what circumstances helped you become a successful comic? And you replied, I was a weird, anxious kid who wore a back brace, loved Star Trek, and had lice for four straight years. It was extremely inevitable that I'd end up a comedian. Caitlin, welcome. Mm, mm -hmm. I stand by it. Every word of it. Not straight through. That's like a slight comedic exaggeration. It was like an on and off. Like I would kick the lice and then they'd come back and then my parents would have to do the comb thing. Mm. You know, I don't have. And to you got them while you were sitting and watching Star Trek. They just would climb on and and watch like my cat does when I put the TV on. They're like, oh, Star Trek. <laughs> I think on. they loved it. I think <laughs> yeah. they. Loved yeah, it. we yeah, had lice in my house twice as a kid. Oh yeah, see you and, get it. And um, one of my core memories boy, was sitting bad. in front of Star Trek as my mom lice combed my hair and like put the solution <laughs> on it. Deep memory. Yeah. <laughs> it's you're like you're watching the Masterpiece Society and you're like, oh, this is interesting. Uh there Counselor Troy likes this weird guy. And uh, oh, the lice are coming out. So I just started mm -hmm. now, I came up with the most random episode I can think of. <laughs> that was a good one. The <laughs> lice treatment has gotten a little less horrible, I think. Has it for the children? Yeah, I don't now? I don't think the 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 comb is as big a deal anymore. Because I think they have strong enough stuff just to kill everything. Oh, in like a couple yeah. goes, but oh yeah, like a shampoo. Like, like well, you have to do the shampoo no matter what. Oh yeah, then you have you to. Got but it. it would I only kill the the active lice. It wouldn't kill the actual eggs, and so they'd have to, you'd have to comb it out of your hair. Brian, did you not get lice? Were you a clean child? Did not get lice. Was wow. a clean child. Yes. Mm. <laughs> and then you have to bag everything up in your house into trash bags. Yes, and I swear to God, some of those soft toys I never saw again. And my parents oh. disagree. Mm -hmm. They say they saved them all. I'm pretty sure they used it as an excuse to purge. Yeah. Oh, no, you had like Velveteen Rabbit stuff yeah, going on in there. Rabbit. Oh, oh, well, no. Yeah, Velveteen Rabbit. <laughs> yup. And that's my childhood trauma. That's the only bad thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> that's it. Oh, thank you for having me. <laughs> that was a good session everyone yes uh from velveteen rabbit into this week's episode deep space nine's babble from the first season literally the fourth episode of the entire series they're dipping into the well of like space virus time to make everyone mm -hmm. act weird uh it's maybe it's its own trek trope at this point but 
Uh, it was written by Michael McGreevy and Nareen Shankar from a story by Sally Caves and Iris Stephen Bear. Uh, it was directed by a British director, Paul Lynch, not related to David Lynch. Uh, he had a bit of an electric, eclectic Star Trek career. He did 10 episodes of TNG, uh, TNG and Deep Space Nine total. Naked Now, so he already has help with doing virus episodes. 11001001. I, I love that I'm naming all these episode titles. Caitlin, Kristen doesn't know what... Uh, <laughs> and what she doesn't immediately remember the episode. That was the one with the binars, Kristen. One one zero zero one zero zero one. The fast talking oh. twin aliens. Mm-hmm. A natural selection. That's an episode we're going to do later, where Doctor Pulaski age gets incredibly old. A matter of mm-hmm. time, which had Good Max one. Headroom in it. The first duty was the one where Wesley Crusher lies to protect uh, an accident with he and his fellow involving he and his fellow cadets. And then Deep Space Nine, he, he did a bunch of first season episodes, including this one. It debuted in syndication on January 24th, 1993. This episode is now 30 years old. And I know both of you are not 30. So let me tell you, turning 30 is very strange. You are incorrect, oh. sir. I am past <laughs> 30, but that's cute. <laughs> Do you, either of you remember t- turning 30? No, I've turned 28 uh, at least 10 years in a row now. So I have yeah. no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I went to your 28th birthday I... party recently. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, you did. I turned 30 in the pandemic. Um, so it was a freaking bummer. And I had an absolute meltdown and was like, uh, I've wasted my entire life and I will continue to waste it if I don't die alone in my apartment. <laughs> that sounds, sounds great. Yeah, I turned 40 in the pandemic and I had the same experience. Uh, but it was like more of a Lynchian. Oh, uh, has anyone seen Lost Highway? Yes, of course I've remember, seen Lost Highway. Okay. Remember when uh, Bill Pullman's just like staring into the hallway, the dark hallway? <laughs> that's that's mm-hmm. what turning 40 felt like. So. <laughs> Is it a uh, metaphor about mortality? Kind of. Utility? It just felt, yeah, it was a really weird time uh, turning, turning mm. 40 during the pandemic. It was a rough time. Mm. yeah that sounds horrible and i i'll never experienced it oh. but yeah yeah because you're myself. still 28 you're so yeah. young yeah mm-hmm. so young <laughs> turning 30 though i mean that's you still have all your faculties and you're still young and and vibrant and turning yes. it during a pandemic must have been tough <laughs> I, I i have i have my faculties but i feel death's warm breath coming up behind me for sure <laughs> like i feel i feel the decay um c- c- circling me and look like my parents look hella good for being in their 70s you know not to say that anything actually declines but um i'm 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 floating on a dark sea of despair what can i say i mean you beat lice four times that's you know you have mm-hmm. thank you i'm a survivor Exactly. (laughs) A quick synopsis of this one. Chief O'Brien accidentally triggers a device left behind by Bajoran terrorists intended for the Cardassians, which infects victims with a virus that gives them a form of aphasia, the loss of ability to understand or express speech, which eventually leads to death. And then there's some, oh no, the station is in danger jeopardy from an impatient freighter captain whose face and voice 
I have never forgotten, and they have both so annoyed bad. the shit out of me for 30 what? years. Why There's does he so... deliver every line like he is at the DMV? He's like, oh, <laughs> Captain, you've got to let me off of this ship. My grain is rotting. It's so and like, had to... Yeah, uh, we'll get into this later. But like, <laughs> okay, okay, sorry. What the f*** was that guy's deal? I... <laughs> what was his facial hair? What was his deal? It was, yeah, anyway. So, uh, Caitlin, do you remember the first time you saw this episode? No, because no. I was a baby. <laughs> well, what about you, Kristen? Do you remember the first time you saw this episode? I actually don't remember the first time, no. I'll very quickly say I remember this episode very clearly. As I said, I've held a grudge against this this day player <laughs> that played Captain Jaheel for 30 years. Uh, you know, Deep Space Nine was the first Star Trek that I watched, you know, fully from the beginning real time. I mean, I was 12 when it came out. And so, I don't know, it didn't quite feel like this was my Star Trek or anything like that, but it was just one like, ooh, a new Star Trek. How do they start these things from the very beginning? Mm. And so I was very, like, at least the first season I have, it's like imprinted on my mind a lot of these memories of watching them. And aphasia, this is how I learned that there was such a thing as aphasia. That's what I also remember about this episode. And I think in pop culture or in news, medical reports, Maybe in the last 30 years, it's come up once or twice. And of course, this is my first tie to any of that. The first thing I think about, it's what Bruce Willis was diagnosed with, which has, you know, led to his retirement from acting. You know, just certain things that sticks out in that way for the aphasia part of it. I think it was smart for them to bring Chief O'Brien onto the new show. And he's basically our patient zero in this one. And so you get to kind of, oh, I like Chief O'Brien from The Next Generation. So I'm going to watch the, him in this episode, you know, start to finish, I remember it very clearly. That's all. It's a long way of saying that. I remember it. Were, were you into Deep Space Nine from the beginning or did you have to warm up to it, Caitlin? Yes, this is definitely my Trek series because like watched it as a family and then like it was just on the air for so GD long that like as I was gaining the capacity for rational thought, the show was on all the time. So like some of my earliest memories of like thinking deeply about things are Star Trek episodes and specifically DS9. Um, so yeah, have never not been in on it. And then like I rewatched it in college and I was like, oh boy, this is like a childhood thing for me. I'm sure it's just nostalgic. I'm sure I just like love these characters because they're my mommies and daddies. And rewatching <laughs> it in my early 20s, I was like, no, this is good this is just like spectacular writing great acting everything good do you remember the first time you watched star trek was deep space nine the first one that you remember and and helped you get into it or is there something else another entry point probably tng was like my actual entry point of watching it but like i i don't know i was a child in the 90s at a time when i think they didn't realize you weren't supposed to let kids watch as much tv as they wanted <laughs> and like adult tv uh so i just well it turns out that's actually not as bad as we all thought the tv is fine but if if it's like a tablet or a phone that's actually bad really worse yeah worse than like a tv off off on the wall i think it's something to do with um like eyesight and attention span interesting maybe like the interactiveness yeah like (laughs) having it out in the background is like not well at least for babies it's supposedly not as bad for babies developmentally as like Here's a here's a tablet, like putting it right in front of their face. Yeah, here's some freaking uh, moon bug, like a tomato screaming a song about it. I'm a tomato. I'm a tomato. Watch another Blippy episode. Oh god. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so this this was it for me. And actually, um, I tell this story every time I get the opportunity. The first time that I was like, I want to be in show business, we were watching an episode of The Next Generation. And I was probably like uh, five or something. And it just like clicked for me of like, oh, these aren't real people. They are pretending if you work in TV, you can just pretend forever. And that can be your entire job in life. And I was like, oh, I want to do that. I, I'm with you. A wasted life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm 30. Uh, crashed on the rocks of ambition. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a part where we kind of give any specific thoughts that don't fit into any of the grades that we have below. Kristen or Caitlin, do either of you have any random stray thoughts kind of thing I, about this episode? Uh, no. No, oh, okay. I, I have a couple I might mention at the end. All right. My, my big stray thought was just like, wow, it is amazing how early all of the relationship dynamics were like set up, ready to go in this yeah. television it show. It feels like a like a season three or four episode. Totally. Yes. A hundred percent. It was like Quark and Odo banter, but they kind of love each other. Like Kira and Dax, best friends forever. Like uh, uh, O'Brien and Bashir, like starting to care about each other. It was just, it was so good. Kira and Odo loving respect of two colleagues who were secretly in love it's the best i like that i think cisco probably gets the short shrift on characterization but Mm -hmm. they do Mm -hmm. they do have him interacting with jake and those were like the scenes that avery brooks was most uh, uh, what really sold him on this episode but in terms of like being a commander or commanding he's not particularly strong in this episode i didn't think he's sort of just a dick to o'brien he's just like my coffee tastes bad it's like that (laughs) man is suffering (laughs) i feel like we're going to talk about the the replicators and the coffee in the grades for a second so i'll throw out a couple Mm -hmm. of other stray lines according to iris stephen bear the showrunner the story idea that served as this episode's genesis came up during a a five-day brainstorming session between bear and peter allen fields rest in peace way back in 1992 when they were coming up with season one episodes but Michael Piller, who was the showrunner for TNG, uh, got Deep Space Nine off the ground. He wrote the pilot. He said, we had this premise for over five years at Next Generation. It was written by the same person who wrote Hollow Pursuits. Kristen, that's the episode where we first meet Barkley, and he's uh, addicted to the holodeck. I think I know why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they had always been attracted to the idea that you could suddenly lose the ability to use language and communicate and how people are able to communicate with each other. That's from this book, The Unauthorized Guide to New Start, New Trek Voyages. Anyway, uh, I don't know that the episode gets to that level of meaning, but certainly it was an interesting premise. I thought Becca Caddy wrote in her Science of Star Trek series that Babel doesn't only provide us with the series of symptoms to look out for, but accurately portrays the sadness, confusion, and frustration that often accompanies aphasia. That did come th- true uh, or come through, I thought, that there is... When people don't understand you, it can be a very frustrating experience, but also that pain and isolation from that uh, misunderstanding was pretty evident on the actors' faces. It made me think of this for some reason. How, did you all read that headline about how, or the study about how, like, maybe half of people don't have inner monologues? Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. This is huge in the group <laughs> <Yeah>. chat. <laughs> yeah, I was flabbergasted. 
By which part? I, By people having them or not having them? Not having them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caitlin, an, an amazing way to I, suss out if she's a if she's a thinky or a no thinky. But I'm assuming yeah, you're I a thinky. <laughs> oh, I'm a thinky. I'm a loud. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I remember like like being younger and being like, God, I wish the narrator would shut up. So I didn't have to be like, here she goes. She's walking over to the door. Who's at the door? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Oh, I'm glad we all have inner monologues. It, uh, although I would have definitely pinned down whoever didn't have one and, and wanted to know everything, but there's nothing to know. <laughs> Do you think people who don't have inner monologues were really confused the first time they read a book, like a <laughs> chapter book, like that, like describes that has a narrate narrator that describes what's happening. Like, Hmm. What the hell is this? Yeah, it's not just people talking and the noises of trees. Uh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's not like a film. Yeah, that Austin Powers joke just falls completely flat. So <laughs> where he goes, he goes. It was in the first one after he's brought out of freezing. He goes, "How do I explain to them as a result of the unfreezing process? I no longer have an inner, inner monologue." And he's saying this all yeah. out loud. <laughs> and he's probably horny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Ready to get into the grades here. Let's do it. Uh, great scenes. The cold open. I like the day in the life aspect of it. Uh, they Again, I mentioned this before. They knew what they were doing and then they brought Chief O'Brien on board. Uh, just the idea that this is the character that the audience is most familiar with. He's our patient zero. Let's see him try to get this you know ramshackle or sabotage station up and running. And we see him interacting with basically everybody. Uh, largely to fix the replicators. That's kind of the big thing in that one. But we do meet Captain Jaheel, that piece of shit, that fucker, right in the beginning. <laughs> he's, re- he's annoying from the jump. That wet mock of a man. <laughs> Next, I have Odo admits to Quark that he's never played Dabo. So this is much later in the episode after everyone started to become infected. And we learned that you could die from the infection and all that stuff. Only have two other scenes after this one. But Caitlin, you mentioned we get the dynamic of Odo and Quark. I like just Odo admitting he didn't know how to play Dabo. Quark not going for the kill, just kind of being like more being like a devil, being like, I won't tell anybody. Just come play that kind of thing. I like that. Mm -hmm. And then Major Kira kidnaps Dr. Ren. Listen, I'm in the bag for Major. Yeah, I'm in the bag for Major Kira, but. Uh, as a kid, oh, I think know. I, know. yeah, <laughs> I was, you know, as a kid, I was like, whatever, but this is the spine, her investigation and watching Nana visitor in her other scenes where she's not the focal point. Like when O'Brien's in the infirmary and Dr. Bashir is giving him his examination, her eyes, like her impatience. Cause he's like taking too long to figure it out. Like she's acting in every scene and every moment. Oh, I think she, she does is a- never not acting. I am yes. truly furious that she did not become a huge star and listen, there's still time, but like she, I think she is just good at acting capital A. Yeah. She is fantastic. And then the last one I have is kind of obvious. Quark, quote unquote, volunteers to help out in ops. Uh, yeah, good <laughs> The end se- sequence, which culminates in him saying 10 seconds and then him uh, kind of like grab, clutching his head in this weird way. Wo- like script. doing like a Madonna yes. Vogue <laughs> grab. Four great scenes I found in this one. What uh, Anyone have any other ones they want to throw in there? Um, yeah, so... After everyone gets sick, they, uh, Commander Sisko orders a quarantine. 
And Cork breaks quarantine to keep his business open because he is, quote, an essential business. Like, the first <laughs> oh, like, how... Oh, my God. A time traveler, obviously, yes. wrote this. Um, because we <laughs> saw that in real life of, like, of course, the gambling establishment has to say they're an essential business. But I also like um, Odo shape-shifting into a bar cart to catch Cork <laughs> at whatever scheme he's got going uh that was amazing uh loved it um and also i mean most of mine have to deal with cork then cork eventually goes to sick bay and he starts shaking down all the sick people to remind them to pay their bills like as if he's sent there by etna collecting bills or something like (laughs) like he's the hospital himself itself going you better pay this goddamn bill (laughs) um and not caring that if he's gonna get himself sick he's saying like the ferengi immune system is quite advanced so his money means more to him than than his health and then of course you've already mentioned this one but cork beaming odo over to the exploding ship when he's like oh yeah i've seen it done many times energizing and then odo's like oh my god and then he waves bye bye yep a fantastic bit of continuity that gets set up because Quark will many times reference that time served on that ship. Doesn't it mean that he was like hook or something? Yes, like it's something like that, it. effectively. Yeah, it's a thing, very minor. Yeah. Armin Shimmerman said that this was the episode that helped him figure out Quark once and for all, like establish okay. who the character was and especially that relationship. But mainly when he's like, oh, he's, he's going to be... Uh, a hero, he never has a moment of doubt, but he also is still going to be, you know, greedy and find an angle as well. So uh, maybe Armin Shimmerman. Oh, oh, go ahead. Yeah. I have a core question for you. He at one point says, like, my assistant, Rom. Do we know about Rom and Rom being Quark's brother yet? They had not figured that all out, but Rom was established in the show from the beginning. We get the basically continuity error of Odo now. Odo saying, like, he couldn't fix a, a, a bent fork. Oh, effect. yeah, then it turns out he's yeah. so good at engineering. <laughs> yeah. He's the first Ferengi in Starfleet. Yeah. So uh, Rom turns out saving the day against the Dominion multiple times. Oh. <laughs> he devises the cloaked minefield later on. and yeah. Yeah. So He marries a Dabo girl, yes. Oh, Lita. God, Lita. Lita yes. Yeah, we love Lita. Maybe that's just, maybe that is actually Iris Steven Bear just playing 3D chess right from the beginning, knowing that that is where he's going to take this character once someone believes believes in him if we're uh, believing that this show has some sort of time travel element predicting the essential business then i think that's fair that's a good i think we believe that yeah i absolutely do (laughs) i have one more nomination for a great scene and it sounds like maybe you won't agree well let me hear it (laughs) it is when cisco the second time cisco goes to visit jake and he does his little like i'm not gonna let anything happen to you i am not gonna lose you thing and I love it because it's just like, I love the Jake Sisko dynamic. I love that those actors are still very good friends. Um, and he is like a father figure. And I think that does show, like, I think that's just such a, like, strong Sisko moment. Like, Sisko's such a strong captain. And when he says something, you're just like, yeah, he's going to do it. And I have complete faith in him. And I was like, mm, Sisko moment. I, that's yeah. great. That's great. Mm-hmm. I, I don't have a dad, so I don't any dad scene. I just they don't have any effect on me whatsoever. So fair enough. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I I I I have one. Um, so that yeah. might be part of you know I may be biased. 
I think the other part of it for me and some of the, and a lot of the scenes was there's nothing else going on except what's happening. So he's effectively talking at Jake. You know what I mean? It happens twice. Oh, so, yes. So to me, it's like, is that a great scene? I don't know. But if you like you want, Jake Like Cisco, a John Woo movie, like people are fighting in the background and doves are flying. <laughs> I want a little complexity. I want some other things that are cool. Anyway, but it, okay. that's good. That the There is kind of a, not a vibe, but there is kind of a, um, this episode is very much what it is. There's nothing deeper going on in this yes. one. And it's so not really figured out the levels and the nuance of the show yet. Yes. It feels like kind of like you were saying, it kind of feels like a third season episode, but it also simultaneously feels like early TNG where someone will be like, I am feeling sad because the aliens made me feel sad. And then the other person <laughs> will be like, do not be sad. It will be all right. You know? Yeah. Yep. All right. Best Trek tropes. Uh, though I only have one and it's effectively Ferengi's uh, being immune to Star Trek. So, <laughs> so in this one, it's, you know, their immune system, which, by the way, this is not like something I think is wrong. I think that's fine. I think it's great that the Ferengi have an immunity to this virus. They don't share a genome that with like Cardassians and Bajorans might share. That's fine. Uh, but also like they're immune to uh, telepathy. Right, the, mm -hmm. that we'd established, the Betazoids can't read them. So I, I just like that that the Ferengi uh, occasionally have these moments that pull them out of Star Trek for a moment. And they're they're just doing their own thing. Um, I put the Odo and Cork dynamic, which has already been mentioned, but for this particular show, I think it's a good trope. Um, I also put biofilters, a plague, <laughs> and Cardassian sabotage? Question mark. Turned out mm -hmm. not to be that, but. That's part, that's a trope for this show for sure. And also I put Bashir wanting to meet the architect of the virus because he's quote a genius. And that's just Bashir being kind of weird. <laughs> which that is a good trope. He also a weird. trope in this show. Like everyone around him is literally dying. He's like, well, I'd like to meet the guy because he's a genius. <laughs> like, okay. Okay, bud. Have some no, other, no nothing else would be discussed. Yeah. Just, okay. <laughs> Just, I'd like to shake your hand, sir. One of my favorite Trek tropes is let's science our way out of it. And this episode has a ton of it. It's like a problem, do science, do science hard. And just you know if we pull together we can do it it's always about just like everybody just try your best and if you fail that's okay i like dr wren basically being held at gunpoint coming up with a cure <laughs> to a virus he's never seen before so <laughs> this they, is they okay this, this leads into one of my worst trek tropes ah well i have one more actually because i forgot because you mentioned uh that the odo cork dynamic Kristen. Another mm -hmm. trick trope that's we we've talked about this with TNG, how they have their own tropes. Well, Deep Space Nine has their own. And I think this is the first example of it, that O'Brien must suffer. <laughs> oh, yeah. yes. Yes. God, he suffers. Yes. So in every season there, you, there would usually be one where something absolutely beyond the realm of human experience happens to Miles Edward O'Brien. <laughs> Lives an entire existence in a prison cell over 90 years and then comes back two hours later. Like, oh, yeah. Horrible suffering. That kind of thing. Uh, and so I think this is the him being patient zero establishes that trope for this one. Good trope. Worst Trek tropes. I, I, you sounds like you're ready to go, Caitlin. Let's hear it. 
I got two. It's when our heroes do it, it's okay. Um, constantly violating the prime directive, which is more of a TNG thing and uh, in Deep Space Nine. And I think they do address it later on and engage with it. But it's like, as long as it's a member of the crew that we love doing something horrible, like kidnapping, it's fine. <laughs> it's for a better purpose. Just trust them. Well, she has the she has the out of she's kidna- kidnapping her own person, right? The Starfleet's right. there at the she invitation the of the Bajoran Bajor. government, yes. So, but she is using That's Federation right. property. So. She is. yes, and Cisco does go. Okay, yeah, that's the yeah. best bet. You go ahead. Yep, go for it. And my second one is: When are you talking into the communicator? When are you not talking into it? How does the communicator know? Once I started seeing this in Star Trek, I could not stop seeing it. And it drives me absolutely insane. They'll be like, Kira, send the boxes. Okay, anyway, we're going to do this thing, blah, 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 blah. And, and, and they never pause in the middle of the sentence, but it's just assumed that Kira doesn't hear the second part of the sentence because they're making eye contact with Dax. It drives me insane. I believe in the Starfleet, the Star Trek Next Generation Technical Manual, this oh is super nerdy. I believe that is addressed Uh-oh. to some degree where there is a there is something that Michael Okuda attempted to explain of if you say Cisco to Dax, the computer will hear that and, and make the connection. And I don't know why sometimes they can do it verbally and sometimes they have to press the communicator button. Uh-huh. I'm no longer 12 or 13 and have this you know, at a moment's notice, I can recall it, but I remember but, there was some explanation somewhere of what you Rachel have to say. how does Rachel Barrett know when you are done talking to the other person? That's <laughs> an, the part that keeps point. me up at night. <laughs> the, the change in tone, or you notice mm. how the actors will kind of look up at the ceiling a little bit. Maybe okay. it has to do with volume or tone. Yeah, Not it's sure. magic. It's all magic. Yeah. Anyway, those are my worst tropes. So my worst Trek trope, one of them is the virus has like a two hour incubation period and is more <laughs> contagious than the measles. Mm-hmm. Generally that would be something that you would like write a big paper on like a, in a peer reviewed journal, but it's usually never mentioned again. Um, and I also, this isn't so much a trope, but more of a question and maybe Brian, you could answer that. So I guess I didn't realize that all of Cork's food that he cells is just from a replicator but like aren't replicators available for free on the space station this is mm-hmm. this is the perfect time to talk about this mm-hmm. i know there's i know there's such things as like better some people have better replicators than others yeah there is definitely a class system a cost there's money being used on the space station in the Federation planets and installations that's not an issue but there is an implication and maybe some subtle references here and there to officers or, you know, people in Starfleet that there's credits. There is some sort of allocation system. Uh, I think I remember Cisco saying he used to beam home every night after his Academy days in his freshman year when he was still nervous and like he would use up his transporter credits real fast. So there is some sense of like energy allocation. There is Mm. like carbon tax or whatever, you know what I mean? Like that they do have to uh, adhere to something. And I would imagine though Quark as a business is buying some of that energy uh, use for himself. The replicators, though, if I saw a replicator do all that electric surging that Oprah does, yeah. I would and not then just, then just order a coffee, coffee. <laughs> and take not. a drink. Out of it. And, and the, the, 
the cavalier nature of replicator transporter technology use is still, even now, really unsettling. <laughs> yeah, even now that we have 3D printers, like, I-, I wouldn't take, like, a foam cube out of a 3D printer if it did what that replicator had done. Right. <laughs> Much less put it in your yeah. mouth. The, I like the idea, though. It's sort of a side we hadn't yet, had not yet seen in Star Trek of Quark just going like, well, I'm going to go use these replicators somewhere else. And we didn't we didn't get a sense of what it was like. There's no kitchen at Quark's like in the background or, you know, mm-hmm. in the back that that's never it's always been I, replicators. I, think. I have a private fan theory. I mean, I do believe that. But in Voyager, they get into like how replicated food just doesn't taste quite as good, which is they why they get into meals- it in a in a couple of different shows oh okay i just specifically remember specifically the coffee. Like having a vegetable garden and like growing fresh tomatoes and everybody being like oh my god and so maybe quark you know imports some exotic maybe less than legal spices and he's kind of doctoring up the food a little bit i i like that idea i mean it does seem i mean you can certainly buy that they get better patterns from you know the the colian stew the colian person who writes that program probably writes a better Colian stew than mm-hmm. you know a that's human who makes it here. yeah exactly so i could see it that way but uh yeah that's it's a good question but i'm pretty sure they've got like replicators behind the wall that we don't see or you know around the area in quarks mine was just no matter what series we're in no masks or environmental protections like literally yeah, yeah. the virus is airborne and contagious and they're still getting right up in each other's faces. Nothing we can do. Yeah, stupid Let's shit. When you out. when they have the technology to just talk to each other over comms, they have to be in person face to face. That's right. What when am I going to like, not zoom, scroll down the yeah, video call. And- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most of its time quality. I have one. Alexander Siddig's unibrow, Dr. Bashir's unibrow. Aww, that would yeah. not have flown in HD in the HD era in the first season, first five episodes. It's there. They didn't think we'd see it, but now on the giant TVs, we do. You already touched on mine, but no one is wearing a mask. Not our Obviously, time. if this was produced today, uh, people would be wearing masks. But also, in the beginning, Chief O'Brien has like this Disneyland glow stick, um, glow toy as like his tool and it looks very cheesy but there's also a virus animation on the screen at one point that is very much of its time (laughs) like we know what viruses look like now like the average person knows what that looks like now and this isn't it (laughs) it's like a little watercolor like sketch of a virus and it's like moving around all weird yeah Yeah. Uh, I think extremely of its time is uh, Kira Narice's hair because my mom and all her friends had that haircut in 1993. <laughs> oh, that is a 90s mom haircut. You're totally yeah, right. My mom did too. Whoa, yeah. It, it, kind of, it didn't take away her power, but it was a distraction in certain in certain scenes. Not in the big one when she gets into Dr. Ren's face. Uh, that was oh, great. Oh, yeah. I bet but- you weren't distracted. No, I wasn't like attracted to her. Her her authority was like was like who is this? There was no one in Star Trek up to this point that was like her. 
So that did rip uh, when she just got straight in his face and was like, I have it. Oh. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so but I also good. liked her. He was like, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> exactly right. He turns away from her, being like, Oh, yeah. But I love. But even right before that, that moment where she's like, I'm not interested. I'm not trying to place blame, motherfucker. I'm yeah. just trying to figure out what's My going on. My friends are dying, this. you yes. bitch. <laughs> uh, and I think Star Trek maybe not doesn't always need characters like that, but she certainly changed it up. She was a different energy for that regard. All right. Yeah, those are good ones. Now it's time for the line must be drawn here. Great lines. <laughs> Uh, cork to one of the sick people. Kristen, you talked about this. You gold owe me. <laughs> and then I really liked Quark's uh, kind of flippant way of doing the Star Trek thing of the countdown where where uh, the docking rings on fire and he goes, oh, no, you better hurry up. That ship's going to explode in one minute. And then uh, contrast with his freak out ni- uh, 50 seconds later. But I just like the, yeah. the flippant way he said that. Uh, Caitlin, what about you? Uh, this was a quiet one, but I really liked it when Cisco pulled Odo into helping him on the bridge and Odo was like, I am not an operations officer. And Cisco was like, you're the only option I have, I think was the line. And then, uh, when Kira was like, I'm going to go kidnap that guy. And Cisco was like, no, you're not. And then Odo was like, she's the only option you have. And I was like, mm. oh, stick it to him. <laughs> In your face. Line. Also, Odo, before Cisco says his line, he goes, I'm just a security officer, albeit a good one. So I know, now- I loved it. I loved it. Good for you, Odo. You know, you, you, no false modesty here. You know you're good. Kristen. Um, so we did talk about it already, but when Odo says, Rom's an idiot, he couldn't fix a straw if it was bent. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. And then also, when... Cork is shaking down the sick. Uh, Commander Sisko is like, what are you doing? He's like, well, they owe me money. Hopefully they don't forget about, I think they're faking it to get out of paying their bill. And then Sisko says, no one could be that devious. And then Cork's like, I am. <laughs> so perfect. Not above faking a deadly virus to get out of paying the bill. <laughs> Good shit. The Anton Caridian Award for Best Performance. I am torn on this one because it yeah, seems like it seems like it should be Nana Visitor for Major Kira because she has to basically be the adult in the room for the whole episode up until the end. But I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna give it to Colmini for uh, being Aww. our patient zero and being Chief mm-hmm. O'Brien and having to be the first one with the symptoms and and deal with all that and. I don't know, be Chief O'Brien. I'm going to give it to him. Please disagree or nominate someone else. Uh, Caitlin. This was a tough one because I was torn between saying who did the best, best aphasia acting and Armin <laughs> Sherman. Because the, some people did not nail it. Like, God bless mm-hmm. uh, little tiny baby Jake. But, you know, he was like uh, a bunny rabbit, hamster <laughs> going And it was like, you're not really delivering the line as if you think you're saying something correct, you know? Yeah. And I think that may have been Colmini. No, I'm giving it to Armin. This was a Quark episode. Armin Shimmerman. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to give it to Quark, too. I'm going to disagree with Brian. All right. We got Armin Shimmerman. He's walking away with it. Fair enough. (laughs) A surprisingly great Quark episode that I'm sure a lot of Deep Space Nine fans forget Yeah, about. it was supposed to be 
Chief O'Brien episode that actually turned into a Cork episode. So, all right, this is the Shatner. Now, this is not necessarily bad acting. It's just someone who is going for it. I know you think I'm gonna go for Captain Jahil, but I'm not. I'm going for Bozenga who played Azoth, Quark's customer, who complains about his Colian stew and force feeds it to Quark. Because an alien like that, having a, any opinion on, on stew is a funny contrast for human you know, prejudice. But also, that guy, Quark, you call this Colian stew? He's really going for it. So I'm giving it is so strange. Yes, and also his name is Bo Zanga, the actor. So mm-hmm. I, I feel compelled to give it to him. Yeah, that made me. Laugh. Uh, I'm giving it to that Captain guy. I'm sorry, that was something else. Uh, this is the time we talk about Captain Jahil. His yeah, stupid face, that terrible. I, I think it was the makeup didn't help him. It kind of forced him to barely move his mouth. But something it about like his it was falling off of him the entire time. Yes. Yes, the terrible, his tiny little eyes, his tiny little mouth, his little weak, little wispy voice, but his like (laughs) firm insistence. uh, And he's just like a total shit heel. My stuff will spoil. You shouldn't be such a shitty captain then. You should have timed this out better. You left yourself no margin for error. He's so annoying. He's the most annoying alien i can think of in star trek right now so like okay the federation (laughs) exists they give all their services for free they give away replicators they give away goods and they give away labor he's stuck on the station and i guarantee goddamn to you that his ship and whatever was wrong with it was being fixed for free by the federation and then when they enforce a quarantine for safety of the universe he decides his crew of jomger fruit or whatever is more important i don't think so honey the actor is Jack Keeler or Kaler, <laughs> K-E-H-L-E-R. And he has uh, one of the longest lists of working actor credits you'll ever find. He's been, like, <laughs> been Mad Men. He's done like he's done everything since like 83. He died in 2022. I'm going to say this without seeing his full list. Uh, this is the most obnoxious. I'm not even saying he did a bad job. I'm saying like, I don't think it's his fault. No, I think I, I think we're supposed to hate Captain Jahil and the fact that Odo saved his life maybe maybe dislike Odo for a time. But <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think it's a combination of makeup and directing and the the writing of the role. Yes, <laughs> he did a great job with terrible makeup uh, and a character that was supposed to be an obnoxious thorn in everyone's side who put the entire station at jeopardy. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. I, I hate Odo that Odo saving his life is more so, more or less incidental. Like he was just trying to save the station. And he was like, <laughs> well, I guess I'll throw this guy out of here. And he, you know, threw him out of the ship and happened, just happened to save his life in the course of his normal duties. Mm-hmm. That's anyway, fair. maybe this is a good emotional purge. Now I won't think about him anymore. Good. You're free. You're free. I'm rescued. Yeah, I, I give you permission say, to never think of him ever again. Do we have any other Shatner nominees or or I'm going to say something that may pain you. Uh-oh. I think that early on, particularly in the first season, sometimes Nana Visitor had a bit of a Shatner to her. Oh, I no question. That, 
You're not treading she... on anything. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Yeah. Because she is such a, like, as an actor, such a, like, sweet person. I think maybe what happened in her mind and her actor's process was she was like, well, Kira was, like, in the military and is, like, kind of a tough person. So I need to be like, every line is yelled, kind of. Uh, and so she she had a few lines in there. I was like, whoa, 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 soft pedal. Yeah, but she also had, you know, she was also a soap opera actor. And, you know, so I think coming in hot is sort of the whole thing with her style. I totally agree. For some reason in this episode, I don't think like I think in Emissary, she's actually kind of more over the top. And this one, you've got like an actual 12 hour crisis going on. I think that she's uh, maybe almost not perfectly modulated, but I totally see what you're saying. Like she is coming in hot, but like, there is also like this idea of like, well, something really mysterious and bad is happening. It kind of works for that moment. But yeah, she, okay. she, whenever for any deep sea sign episode, I have a feeling the not visitor is going to be in, in the top two or three candidates for sure. <laughs> wow. Also, uh, this is how I'm learning that I've been pronouncing her name wrong my entire life. That's okay. I, it took until maybe four years ago for me to know that, that I had been doing the same. So it's no, it's no problem at all. Uh, what part of this will they teach at Starfleet Academy? Well, I assume they're going to teach about this virus, but I also wonder if it's going to turn into one of those <laughs> that, that they're going to try to do for like the medical students do the whole, can you come up with the antidote for this virus in an hour? Like as like a surprise test because that guy did it. <laughs> so, if you're like an advanced student, could you do because he started from Dr. Bashir's work, right? So it's like, okay, given this starting point, could you come up with in, in an hour uh, an antidote for this and save everyone on the ship's lives? So wow. uh, I think they're teaching the virus. I'm saying, well, they obviously aren't teaching anything about virus containment at all. <laughs> In the animated series, they introduce, and it's silly, but they introduce these environmental belts that the characters wear. So they <laughs> they don't change the animation cells. It's like, oh, just slap Kirk over this environment. But when they have the belts on, they press a button and this little bubble forms around them. And so then that creates the reality of like, they go to different environments. And it's like, why not do something similar like that at least? So we know when we see the belt in later episodes, okay, they got their environmental shield on basically they don't even I know every nothing. single time they have to be like okay it's an m-class planet the atmospheric yeah. composition is this etc cetera, etc cetera. it's like save yourself the trouble yeah wear the belt <laughs> i think they will be teaching i i think that you will have to deal with the simulation of jahil um as an example of <laughs> the most annoying guy you might meet in space <laughs> And like how like a customer you... service uh, role-playing exercise exactly or like that thing where you have like you're a doctor and you have a patient who's just like completely uncooperative but it's like an actor you know playing a patient um <laughs> i think they're gonna have a jaheel hologram i'm doing the matthew mcconaughey interstellar cry right now i'm so happy <laughs> yes we absolutely would love captain jaheel as a as an obstacle to overcome for Starfleet Academy cadets. Uh, all right, Caitlin, you're here for a, a test bed, a proving ground <laughs> of sorts for a new question that we're asking. We used to ask how the predecessor show or captain deal with the episode's conflict kind of arrived at. Maybe that's going to be boring and not as fun. So for this episode, I'm testing out a new question. Could this episode have been hornier and would that have made it better? The episode. Y E S 
Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no question in my mind, it can always be hornier. And I came up with this before doing my rewatch, and I thought, and, and it just worked out that there's a scene, that moment you said, Dax and Kira are friends, this helps mm-hmm. build that in there. But Dax is like, I haven't been a woman in 80 years. Well, wouldn't it have been great if that's how Dax got the bite we see her having, like leaving someone's quarters or kicking someone out or whatever. And like, there, there was sex, perfect, perfect uh, opportunity. And they blew it. And this really does feel like the first Star Trek where people f- and so I, I think that would have been a great opportunity to say like, hey, just FYI, in this show, they are adults who doink. Yeah. Terry Farrell was uh, not an actor before she did Star Trek. And so I actually thought it was kind of funny that they were like, she's one of the early victims. <laughs> it's like she doesn't she doesn't have a lot to do. It's like put her in a bed have her say gibberish. Yeah. And she lies down. Although when she decides to indulge in that spice pudding that was some good acting and some horniness yeah yeah she definitely imbues dax with some horniness for sure uh also she said that in that scene where she and o'brien are in the quarantine area together they're they've shoved papers up their nose and they're they're both in a lot of pain and they're trying to see who can get through the scene without like having to pull the paper out of their either their ears or their nose But they basically did like an actorly bonding exercise for that particular scene <laughs> to, you know, have fun and uh, and to bond. And what? it's like, wow, I, I like the Deep Space Nine characters. What, don't make me love the cast more. That's fun. It's also weird. I don't weird. understand acting, acting maybe is what I'm realizing. <laughs> Why did they put paper in their ears? I stopped trying to understand actors and go, they're weird. Yeah, and then leave it much. at that. <laughs> okay. You're right. I think it could have been very slightly hornier, but it didn't need much more. Maybe just like 3%. I think when you get virus episodes like the naked now on the next generation and the naked time for the original series, you know, there's horniness in that. That's how the virus gets transmitted. And this one in the, in the sterile nineties, that's not, not happening. Yeah. Once you, once everyone gets sick though, I think the horniest needs to stop. For sure. But you need the horniness in the beginning. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Horny aphasia. We don't need that. Kristen, what, but do you think this episode would have been better if it had been a little hornier or? Um, I don't know if it would necessarily be head and shoulders better. I mean, maybe a little, but not, not crazy amounts of better, I think. So about 3%. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) We're agreed. How do we feel about that as a test question? Keep, keep it going. Roll it over. There's nothing funnier to me than the word horny. So I yeah. mean, okay, I, great. I know I'm just a guest, but if I may weigh in, it was fun to be asked that. <laughs> I can't wait till we run into the guest who's offended. And then that will be funny. Yeah, yeah we, might well. have to, we might have to uh, swap it out here and there. If you know the guest well enough, that they might be offended. I'm a Depending sick on little where they... freak. <laughs> All I want is that episode where Kira and Odo spent the entire night in the closet talking about their relationship. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now that's horny. <laughs> I can think of no less horny a character than Odo. <laughs> uh, a sexually yeah. a, a being. Hello. A shape I don't first know. intimacy. <laughs> he a little suit. Uh, I like that. <laughs> I think that does He turned himself into a bar cart. 
Ride that bar cart all around the deck. It's true. I am writing him off prematurely there. Sorry. All right. So given that this episode could have been 3% better had it been hornier, does that impact your grade, your final grade of Trek, marry, or kill? Give Give the floor to our guest, Caitlin. Babble. Trek, marry, or kill? Can you remind me what that means? <laughs> um, are you familiar with the game Fuck, Mary Kill? Deeply. That is what it is. Okay. I, I think this for me is like a little bit borderline Trek Mary. I think that if it had been later in the seasons, it would have been firmly a Trek because it's like, eh, it's another virus episode. But because it's so early and it's so clearly and beautifully establishes relationships that will flourish over the course of years, it's like almost a Mary. But I'm going to say Trek. Ultimately, Trek. Kristen? Yep, it's a Trek for me. Yeah, Trek for me as well. All right. Uh, Caitlin, is there anything you want to plug? You know, listen to Lizard People. Listen to my new podcast with Adam Peacock, who is unbelievably funny. It's called Versus Pop Culture Battles. We pick two great characters from pop culture and we debate which one is better. And I've been pushing for a Star Trek character for a long time. And I think we're finally going to do it. So like Odo versus Tony Stark. Oh, yeah, Betty. Although (laughs) I I might need a little more explanation on what they have in common. (laughs) They both have morphing suits. Oh, very good. I'm okay. Here's my pitch: Odo versus the Thing. Okay, yeah, that's that's better. <laughs> no, it's just different, you yeah. know. But does it go? Can you get like you said pop culture? So could it be like Kai Wen versus Rudy Giuliani? <laughs> Rudy Giuliani's Aww. technically a pop culture figure. <laughs> that is a deep cut, but I will suggest it. <laughs> yeah, are all the are all the characters fictional? Um, they are all fictional to date, but we've been uh, batting around doing some, you know, like Obama versus Jesus type of things. <laughs> it's very silly, much like Trek Mary Kill. It's just goofing. Love the goofing. Next week, we're going to goof about 9-11, Kristen, when Star Trek's Hell yeah. first 9-11 themed episode, Star Trek Enterprises The Expanse. First, and let's hope it's the last. <laughs> That's right. They never revisited the 9-11 well again after that. Uh, <laughs> be sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars right there or right there in your Spotify app or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us online at Trek Mary Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And TrekMaryKillPod.com has our website with all the standings. Kaylin, it's been a pleasure. I've never spoken to someone who's had lice so many times. Oh, thank you. But the main thing is your love for Star Trek, uh, just brimming with everything you said. And it was great. Thanks for coming on. What a joy. Thank you both so much for having me. Oh, thank you. So until next week, TMK out. Bye. Bye.